my favorite story from those four years was I personally broke kayak.com. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Uh, for, Thank you for doing that. For we day. appreciate that. That is an important lesson. That's like a bucket list thing. <laughs> just just the sheer destructive power you have in your everyday job when you're doing engineering is just It's wonderful. wonderful. Richard Hi, Paul. You know, a funny thing happened about, I don't know, I would say about a year ago, I started to get all these invitations to a new product, a new service. Oh, Vine? No, it was called Clubhouse. Oh, I mean, I, obviously, I know. Yeah. That makes sense. You're a podcaster. No. No, it has nothing to do with this. This is a different Clubhouse focused on project management for engineering groups. Okay. You know about this? It's also called Clubhouse? You've also received invitations. I have, and it's very good. It is. We're not going to talk about that. It just so happens that there's a semantic collision around Clubhouse. Yes, but this is Clubhouse.io. That lets you move the boxes around with the things that you do on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good summary. It's very fast. That's the big deal about Clubhouse. Is That's why Postlight loves it, actually. Speed is it's, number one ethos in our engineering culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also a New York City-oriented startup, which is very exciting. More love because of that. And today, well, why don't you tell us, you actually established this relationship. Who is on the podcast with us, Rich? Andrew Childs, hey. the founder of Clubhouse.io. Hello. Hey, welcome. Glad welcome. you're here. Welcome to the Postlight Podcast. And nice the Postlight Office. We're all in one room. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to see you in real life. Andrew brought, brought donuts. He did bring donuts. No, no guest ever no. has brought donuts. No I know ever. how to come back to an office. Snacks are the number one. Everyone is like very concerned about remote work, and I think snacks are a major driver for office culture. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, you can mail donuts. No. Nah, we do it. We, we mailed ice cream last week. We you, mailed ice cream. You missed it, man. That was some unbelievable ice cream. I got to get that ice cream. Rich didn't put his name on I the list. I forgot to put the name on the list. Yeah. It, it's yes. like matcha flavored. It was it actually wasn't cool because you just kind of keep going back. Yeah. Anyway, I I want to hear the origin story, but before then, give us the elevator pitch, but the elevator is only in a three-story building. What is Clubhouse? So Clubhouse on the tin is project management software. I would say there's a big impact that we're going for and a little impact. One of them is, you know, on the little impact side, you know, we're trying to build a product that allows your software team, right, your engineers, your product people, your designers, mm-hmm. to plan and manage and document your work in a way that doesn't make you angry. Uh, this is No, this is really important because I don't know if anyone out there has ever used, I'll name a competitor, Jira. Jira mm-hmm. will make it piss you off real bad, real fast. Like people just get yeah. angry. Well, it's just yeah. like they set it all up and then there's people whose job it is to set it all up and then you get roped in and you have yeah. to like, get, and you're just like to hell with this. It's I guess the good. software is just going to, I guess our product is going to suck because yeah. I'm not going to figure out how to use this. Thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to name another one that I think, and I'm going to wade into potentially dangerous waters here. I think Basecamp is a lousy product. I've always thought it was a lousy product for many years. I never understood. I, I get it. I think people fell into the patterns around Basecamp and then defended it, but I, always, I never found it to be very good. Yeah, I guess so. You waded into waters that are that have a lot of players. 
why go there? Like, what made you confident that this thing was gonna was gonna be different? I think a lot of this stems from my experience and my co-founder's experience at our last company. We, you know, saw our our startup go from you know a, a team of ten people up to over a hundred people, and throughout that four years that we were there, we saw you know we were using a product called Pivotal Tracker. Oh sure, uh-huh. uh, and that was a great product for what it what it was designed to do it was Mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting because they were software development for hire but they had this they encapsulated their whole process into the tracker software which they then resold and so it was just like as an agency that's a really interesting model to be like our process is so good we turned it into software you should buy it yes and then later someone bought them which i think is another kind of outcome you get so what was this last company by the way i'm curious uh, it was an ad tech company called Intent Media. Okay. Uh, they were based in Soho. All right. So not, you like to stay on a relatively small number of train lines. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We do too. <laughs> okay. So you're there. You're using. What pit- was your role there? I was pretty much the first designer and front end engineer. Uh, oh, okay. So I built up oh, kind so of a small. So it's little. So you, you got to do everything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I did learn a lot about JavaScript and, you know, building a, kind of a simple framework and architecture there because we were placing JavaScript on travel sites. Okay, so, so you're there. So you're using this tool. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I got to see, before this, I was basically running my own little agency. I mean, if you're one person, you're really not an agency. You're just a person. Independent. You can pretend. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's how we do refer to ourselves as we. That's yeah. freelancing. Uh, okay. That's all. Yeah. yeah. So, but... You know, at this startup, when I got pulled into the startup world, I got to see how software teams work, how the process that they come up with kind of emerges and evolves and kind of falls apart. Sure. Right. As you as you go from thirty people to fifty and yeah. fifty to hundred and so what, on. What broke? I'm very curious. Where where did you go? Like, oh man, this just isn't working anymore. A couple of things. One is when we built an, a QA function, mm-hmm. and in Pivotal Tracker, you, you have a rigid kind of fixed workflow and they have terms like delivered and approved. Okay. Right? And they don't necessarily map to It's funny how they commit to stamped, the verbs in these you know, tools. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, but see the flip side there is we'll allow you to define any verb you've ever wanted. Which is also dangerous. You're gonna make your own workflow. Yeah. Correct. And then then you have enterprise problems. Yeah. 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 yeah one, one aspect was the the workflow, but then also people were working across different projects. And there was no way to see kind of high level what was happening. Right, um, right. Projects were, you know, looked at in isolation and you couldn't do kind of high level planning or there's no way to really observe the organization. Sure. Mm. Um, once we got to, say, 50 people. So this led to Kurt, my co-founder, who was the CTO at our last company, said, OK, we need to move to Jira. Jira's the industry standard. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> the things that inspire people, Paul. Okay. Oh boy. And so that happened. We exported everything out of Pivotal Tracker, imported into into Jira, and I can't explain why, but something about it just completely destroyed our kind of day-to-day working lives. For, it was just enormous friction for the oh, whole group. Oh yeah. And you know, it wasn't like information architecture. I mean, it was it was everything about it. Mm. So it just it became really painful to use. So this coincided with a hackathon. Right. Jira's in the background, dark days, nobody's <laughs> happy. Yep. And so what happened was I was thinking, what if we move back to Pivotal Tracker 
but built a kind of Trello-ish like Kanban UI on top of Pivotal Tracker's API. On top of it. So that okay. we could see cross- Pivotal Tracker has an API, you could yeah. you can come okay. Okay. So we did that. I, I should say I did that and built this Pack Day project mm-hmm. um, that allowed us to see cross project what okay. was going on. See everybody, it could be a better world. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I demoed that. People liked it. We actually moved the entire engineering team back to using a Hack Day project Oof. for our So you go, you went off Jira. We went off Jira. We exported everything out of Jira, imported it back into Pivotal Tracker. Wow. Okay. Um, we actually open sourced that library and talked to some of the people from Pivotal Tracker. Okay. And uh, they were like, this is very interesting. What are you going to do with it? And we we're like, nothing. You know, do with it. Now you got to you know. get back to work. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then six months later, you know, Kurt and I were sitting in the cafeteria, as one does in an office. Eating donuts. Uh, eating donuts, looking at each other. And we were like, well, if we replace the Pivotal Tracker API with our own API, Mm. Kind of back out of all of the decisions that we didn't agree with, yeah, and kind of went in our own direction with it. We could. It felt like a very organic move, uh, yeah, yeah, an organic kind of uh, opportunity. And the thing I would say about all of the products in the space, it is a very, a very crowded space, yeah. But you know, all of these products are they go in a certain direction. They're very much based on the original people that designed it. Sure, yeah, sure. You know, and the, and the opinions and thoughts and feelings that those original people had are baked into the product. Yeah. You know, and they, they kind of go in different directions and it just felt like nobody really nailed it. You're like, we're, it's, it's our turn. We're going to give it a try. How big is this market overall? Did you size it? Like how, how did you approach that? It's billions. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I mean, when well, we did our first seed pitch deck, I think it was 4 billion. Maybe. So you're like, let's build this API. Did you go out and raise? What did you do next? Mm-hmm. Well, but don't go there yet. Like, tell me about the leap because you're still at the job in the cafeteria. Yeah, but it's a startup, so the signal is like, come on. Do you quit your <laughs> jobs? Like, yeah, and you know, I had I don't know eight months of savings. Good on you. Burn, burn your co-founder that, quit too. He quit too. He it took a couple more months for him to leave because he was involved in fundraising. Okay. The thing with a startup, though, is they, you know, you look them in the eyes, you say, I got to go build this. And they're there, you know, it's an ad tech startup. It's yep. like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. What are mm-hmm. they going to say? Right. Okay. So off you go. Yeah. And, raise and some money. We raised some money. You know, it was just the two of us for a year or so. Coding, coding designing, coding, building, launching. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> just making decisions left and right. Yeah. Those days are gone for you now, Andrew. <laughs> no, I know. You don't get to do shit now. <laughs> to be clear, though, to be clear, Rich, Rich said to me, like, let's do that. Let's you and me yeah. start something together. Yeah. And, and then, um, then he was like, you know what, though? We yeah. could also build an agency. Yeah. That is a great feeling, right? When you're able to, the feedback loop is so tight. Well, you the can signal make is so strong two between people two people in a, room in a room can make a lot of progress. It's incredible. Yeah. I think you can get to four or five. I think Did after you, that... The human tax kicks in. The human communication tax kicks in. What, That's my number. What was know. launch day like? What was it like when this thing went out in the world? Where, where are we, by the <laughs> way? What year are we? When you, right, you, you and your co-founder are together in a room, what year is that? So I left in January of 2014. Okay. okay. Started started working on this. Okay. And then a couple months of fundraising. You got like a um, seed round or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. We did seed round and then series A and series B. Okay. It took about two years, I would say, to get to the point where we could actually allow people to pay us. Yeah, of course. Of course. All right. So two years to truly a viable, not an MVP, but a viable product that people can spend money on. Do you remember that first customer? I do. I remember that first meeting, actually, with, it was a startup called Timehop. 
No, it was Time Hop. Yeah, do you we know Rick Hop? Webb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and that was our first actual usability test. No kidding. Yeah, it was. It was a brutal. You know, the first minute was like, oh wow, there's 20 bugs and 20 yeah. confusability problems. It's, it's horrible to be beheld, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh wait, of course you want to use your keyboard. Yeah. To do that. You. you <laughs> Yeah, you like when things work. Yeah. That's wow. Okay, yeah. didn't factor that in. But that's what's you know something that's been really interesting and fun about this. I mean, it's, I think of it as a project. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's you build the thing, and then you're just polishing and polishing and polishing, and then more people come in and they want to build and add and add and add stuff, and mm-hmm. then you're like, but wait, we need to keep polishing and polishing it. Mm. So do you resist? Okay, this is an interesting thought because it's something I, I got. My roots, <clears throat> roots are product management also. And my inclination is to strip down and make the core better. Whereas a lot of times people, and by people, I mean anyone. It could be designers, it could be other product managers, it could be engineers, want to solve through more software. And do you feel like that's part of why you've seen success with Clubhouse? That you, you stayed true to the core thing that you the, the core principles behind it. I think so. I think that's what's gotten us to where we are today. You've and done th- a few things extremely well. Help us help us quantify today just a little bit. I, I'm it's totally fine if, if you don't want to share numbers, but like size of community, like you know, any big customers, anything sort of help people understand where this thing sits in its market. We've well, it's a big market. We've got thousands of software companies mm-hmm. and agencies like Postlight paying us and and a, a free base, free user base of teams that are between one and one and ten. Gotcha. Uh, and then tens of thousands of, of customers. Okay. So thousands of paying customers. I don't have that. Why don't well, we have that? We're an agency, Paul. It's a it's different game. The difference between an agency and a you know product company is is an interesting topic too. I mean, what's interesting about Postlight too is, and even just within agencies, right? There are product development agencies mm-hmm. and like multidisciplinary agencies like Postlight, right? And then there's very specific specialized agencies, right? Mm-hmm. That only do marketing or only do design. Or, yep. We cut across. Yeah. This is why I think it makes sense that Postlight is a customer of ours because you act and you know, you're, you're very similar to a, st- a startup. We, we launch ways. product pods that mm-hmm. are discrete teams that go out to do the thing. That's absolutely yeah. true. That's that's why I think we've, we've gravitated towards it versus like augmenting teams, which we've done occasionally, but mostly they're full, full on product teams. Well, also we have the ability to drive the, the product stack. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. like what people reacted to most strongly about Clubhouse was speed. They were just like, Boy, this is fast to use. And I, I think it was just that sense of... I think it was straightforward, too. Yeah. That was the other thing. We're also a dearer customer because our clients need it. And and mm-hmm. I, I think there is that that real sense of like that friction is an enterprise artifact. Like it takes a while and you can do everything with it. And it's still better than nothing, but and we'll, we'll adapt as we go. But if you give us our druthers, we're going to use the smaller, faster tools that are good for like the five-person team, not the 500-person team. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's just spread throughout the org kind of just yeah. like that. There have been a few. Whimsical did that. Mural is doing that now, a little bit of Miro. Mm-hmm. But, Somewhat, but yeah, yeah, Clubhouse definitely took yeah. over. We, we find out because the bills come due. Richard, <laughs> like, what's this one? What well, Clubhouse was supposed to fail. Most of these things are supposed to fail, especially ones that are wading into waters that have these behemoths uh, that dominate the space. Mm-hmm. Why didn't it fail? That's a good question. I honestly don't know. 
I mean, I think I could say that is the best product God. answer right there. That's good product that management. Is, that is a <laughs> humble leader right uh, here in well, front of a, us, Paul. It's, it's a lot easier to be humble when it's working pretty well. I mean, was it a killer is, feature? Well, that just saw. I mean, it was. I think it's been it's been validating to see and have all these customers that that validate and repeat back. Like, yes, we have the same exact problems that you had mm-hmm. that you tried to solve in this product. Right. A big part of it is not trying to do too much. You didn't get into a feature war with a platform that's been around for 15 yeah. years and has thousands of features. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the big challenge, I think, for us. And for me as a designer is to push back. Like, you never want to say no to, uh-huh. to a customer or to a request because you can, you can always say, you can always solve any problem, right? But you got to think about the whole, right? The, the system as a, as a whole. Right. And when you have... A product like this that you're working on for almost a decade, you have wave after wave of people asking for things. Right. And nobody's writing in to say, don't build this feature. No. <laughs> Keep no, it that's simple. A, please, that's a very Keep specific, it simple, Clubhouse. Yeah. You just be you. <laughs> that's a very specific kind of customer. You know yeah. where you see this happen? It, also, it feels like your particular audience... Enterprise customers are brutal, right? Because you see it, you actually see it like even the big cloud services. Like there's this very funny thing where Google, we've talked about this in the podcast, Mm -hmm. like Google Cloud, whenever they go out in public and they do a deck, half the time it includes like their awesome Gardner statistics. Mm -hmm. Just like Google needs Gartner to tell people they're okay. (laughs) But but you need that validation from Gartner. And then the enterprise customers come in, and this is for all the big cloud services and a lot of the big ones where they're just like, I'm gonna need that Q3, you're gonna, you know, but then we're gonna buy a trillion dollars worth of services once you get it for us. And it just like slams the roadmap over and over and over again. Well, and I, I think I'm going to reference an article I wrote, which is terrible. I'm sorry. I'm just going to yes. apologize in advance. I wrote an article called Backlog Driven Development, which is essentially... It's available I think it, on the PostLight on, on the PostLight yeah. Insights uh, blog. Insights. Blogging. And really the, pre- the premise, I think the difference between serviceable product and exceptional product is product leadership that distills down all those needs, looks for patterns, and is very stingy about caking on features to just answer what's needed. I think that there's many examples of products that kind of stayed true to a core set of principles and are just, they, do, they resist that. I think Salesforce is fascinating because Salesforce is able to tell anyone about anything specific that they're asking for. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. No problem. Because they've actually stood up an ecosystem that will, yes, anything that's been asked for and they've built a behemoth. That's a well, different it's a, model. It's the ORM, right? So they have like the big object model yep. and then they've wrapped CRM interface around it. And then they're like Salesforce vaccine cloud, Salesforce. Sure. I'll sell you this microphone. Sure. Salesforce, Salesforce audio, audio visual technology cloud. Yeah. And you written about this, Paul, the product itself is actually secondary to Salesforce's story. The main narrative is business value. Well, right? it's a and success narrative because yeah. it's CRM. It's you're going to be able to sell more yeah. of these things. It's actually not a technology story. It's an yeah. outcome-driven story, and yeah. the product is incidental. Right. You are you have to deliver success to teams of software engineers. What are you thinking about when you're when you're coding? Are you thinking about them writing code? Are you thinking about them getting home at the end of the day? Are you thinking about them making friends? Like, what what is that mental model like? Yeah, this is a fascinating kind of research topic, right? Because we've done a, a couple of rounds of research from we we finally hired a, a design researcher, actually a UX researcher. We've said here map yeah. out the way yeah. that software teams work, and that's a huge complex ball of complexity, right? Sure. 
Um, Do you wish got, you'd done that earlier? I'm asking. Yeah. Because, yeah I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, we did it last year too. And what we got back was really interesting. But I mean, it was looking at our customers. Mm-hmm. And what was funny was that it painted this portrait of us at varying, you know, different sizes and, and, and shapes, right? Like, so us as a 10-person team. Oh, funny. So it was like a reflection. Us as a 20-person yeah, okay. team. Us okay. as a, like, I could point to who we were. Yeah, you know, I remember uh, that. Back in yeah, time. Yeah, sure. Are you finding your wheelhouse is a certain size team? That, like, clubhouse really shines at the, like, the 10 to 50 or something like that? Yeah, it, and everybody has a different range yeah. in mind. But it is... Yeah, anywhere from 10 to, I would say, 100. I think we're all kind of agreeing that, you know, if you stay to a core set of principles, don't just be too prescriptive about what people are asking for. What are the core, like you've seen a lot of great success with this thing. What are those core principles? I'm sure you've had those offsites in the woods where you have to <laughs> write them down, right? Virtual offsites. <laughs> Virtual offsites. We tried those. They were awkward. Yeah, <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. No, they're not working. Yeah. So what are they? Like what, you know? Yeah. Like I was saying in the beginning, there's, there's kind of the big picture and then the, the little picture, mm-hmm. right? And the little picture is just trying to build a product that people don't hate using that allows them to, you know, everybody has tasks, right? Like whether it's, I have a question I need answered uh-huh. or I need to update something. And, you know, all of that can kind of be broken down into, I need to navigate somewhere mm-hmm. and I need to fill out a form, you know, it's HTML, it's, it's, it's web 1.0, right? right? Like that's the foundation of good UX is navigation and submitting a form. (laughs) Yeah. With React and and Next.js and and 10 or 15. Well, no, no, don't, don't do that. That's, that's what we're not doing when we're thinking this way. We're thinking (laughs) about someone needing to do a simple thing, not how they're going to do it because that's a disaster. All of that is, uh, everything is, everything really comes down to decision-making. Every time you, navigate somewhere and fill out a form or update, add a comment or, you know, configure a view to see like, what is my team doing or whatever, what are all of these teams doing? Right. Like that's a a chain of decisions that you have to make. Sure. And the more we can make hard decisions easier. Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is by showing exactly what you need, the information you need to make that decision Mm -hmm. in the right moment. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's really just very much the grounded in design mm -hmm. is philosophy. A lot of times you'll hear founders talk about addressable markets and how we're going to win with this particular stakeholder. But what you're talking about is very fundamental design principles. Yeah, th- those founders, when you ask them why it succeeded, they don't say, I don't know. Yeah. They always have an answer. Yeah. yeah. It's always yeah. kind of unsatisfying to say it's because of the user experience, right? Yeah, but that's not, that is actually right. I mean, that, that's like, <laughs> of course, you, it, it's, I solved, I made a better tool because I worked really hard on it for two years in a room yeah, yeah. and we made it better and now people like it more. Uh, I, I that's th- okay. You can say that and it's still good. We talked about this recently. We go into a lot of organizations where we see the legacy systems in place. And what's funny is our world, the agency world, it's propelled forward by catchphrases and trends and machine learning and AI and internet of things. And what we found is most of the opportunity to get better and work better and work faster are plain old usability challenges, 
just really clunky pieces of software. And sometimes it's not just user interaction stuff. It's just the way the systems talk to each other. It's the ugly work that's frankly not that exciting. No, it's just and not gonna, that interesting. We're going to bring it along to a nice modern web framework and then we're going to do some work along the way to make it actually usable. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll sit down with the people who use the software every yeah. day. Yeah. And people yeah. are like, whew, can't do that. And you're like, I swear to God you can. And, yeah. and what's funny about UX is that it's not, you know, getting to the point where it does the thing mm-hmm. is just the first step. And then there's probably 10 times more work after yeah. that to just make it actually work nicely. We don't we don't always bring that up with our clients in, in, the, in the initial <laughs> meeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they hate that part. I, what, no, this is, I mean, for us, right, like that is... If someone is an experienced buyer of services, they actually factor that in. They're like, yeah, this first the first thing won't particularly even mean anything. It'll just exist. And from there, we'll be able to figure out where we really want to go yeah. when this thing goes out into the market. Yeah. If you haven't been in this industry and seen things ship or not ship, it's a very hard thing to understand and internalize because it just feels like, well, obviously something's going to happen after you do all that work. It's yeah. like, maybe. I want to ask you a question. And I want to ask it on behalf of thousands of people with really good ideas in that cafeteria. You did the thing that many people talk about doing and don't do. And and not to judge, a lot of times it's scary, it's terrifying, failure's hard to face, uh, and you're comfortable. Uh, but that's not a failing, that's, that's just personality to personality. But uh, I guess share a piece of advice for someone that is thinking about taking that leap. One thing, you know, I, I went to school for, for painting. and For what? For painting. Painting. Yeah. And what I really liked about art school was that it taught you how to be creative and how to not really care what everybody else thought. And I think that's really important uh, and something that's really missing in this industry, actually, is, you know, everybody is very focused on catering to kind of investors and YC and their status in these communities. Well, it's become this hierarchical zone. Like, you know, your, your money gets imbued with certain spiritual qualities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different kinds of yeah. money yeah. make you a better or worse person. Where'd you go to art school? To RISD. Okay. I just had a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> You're tall. I just, I just, there's something, there's a certain height. So don't get hung up on judgment and outcomes that are really framed by others. I think what I would say is, you know, trust your trust your judgment. Okay. Trust would yourself. you have done it without your co-founder? No. Okay. So the thing is, there are a lot of very proud bootstrapped companies out there. Mm-hmm. And I I admire them. But like we could never have done that. Like for, for one thing, you know, my wife was was having a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, my co-founder's wife was having a baby and health insurance. That's right? right. Like we needed to be able to pay ourselves a living wage. <laughs> so raising, yeah. raising money. Yeah. And, and he, he took the wheel with that. Yes. Right? Got yeah. It. Yeah. I'm, I'm great for explaining why things will fail. Yeah. Right. And Kurt's really good at explaining why things are going to work. That's a great way to sum it up. Organizations with one founder. Mm. Sociopaths. <laughs> Bless them all. Oh, wonderful. Bless them all. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yes. but you actually need that other person just looking at you going, I yeah. don't understand a word you're saying, or yeah. you're going to scare everyone. This was great. Uh, Andrew, congratulations on the success. Really good insights here. I feel like not just for this world, but as 
someone that's at a job who's thinking about doing other stuff and, and how to take the leap. So it was very cool. Thanks for being on the Post Life Podcast. Yeah, it was a pleasure. What's next for Clubhouse.io? That's right. And also, if you're looking for people, if you're looking for people to get in touch, like what, what should people know about? Well, our brand is, our, our website is Clubhouse.io. You can sign up and check do it a, out. A free trial. And, free free trial, product-like uh, growth. Very exciting. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, there's a couple of things I'm really excited about. One is we got to where we are today on kind of the the, the system that we built. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been thinking a lot about like, we've been actually rethinking a lot of things and thinking about like the system and coming up with kind of like a 2.0 version of the, of the product. Um, so there's a lot of really exciting new design and, and UX ideas in the works. Mm. You're not going to force this on everyone and then have a total revolt. No. You ain't fools, right? No, you won't <laughs> log in and everything will be different. It won't yeah. be like that. Yeah, I wouldn't right. do that with my workflow-focused engineering tool. <laughs> Given, I mean, what you, the hell is this? It's just like, what is the crabbiest group of customers mm-hmm. possible also? Yeah. So we, we should celebrate you for that because engineers are hard customers. They are. And they're, they know when it's bad oh, right away. they're nudgy, they're opinionated. And they will also, they'll get in there and solve it for you in the bug request, in the bug report. <laughs> they'll view source, right? Oh, no, 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 but not even just that. They'll also be like, okay, I found this thing. I don't really like it. Here are the three things I would do. Yeah. And you're just like, I actually don't need that. First of all, yeah. not all engineers are nasally like you're imitating right now, Paul. No, some, some sometimes they're very re- beautiful, deep voices. Some have really low voices. It's <laughs> always good. Like, yeah. I'm a Java programmer. And you're like, what the hell? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Java with that voice. Are you oh. hiring? Yes, we oh. are. We're, we're hiring all over the place. Well, if you okay. don't want to work for an agency, yeah. then you should go work at club. I mean, look, yeah. if you want to work on a project, a really re- rewarding project mm-hmm. and not get ripped off of it, at yeah. the end, yeah. you want to see, great. you want like to tend to, some, it's like attending to a garden, you yeah. know, yeah. seeing the fruits of your, your labor. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, I'm, I'm filling out that, that uh, application <laughs> yeah. form right now. Rich, it's been great. Uh, uh, unlike us where we. Welcome take, to the clubhouse podcast. We just sell marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's tending to the garden. No, tend to the garden. We're fully no, jarring we're, the marmalade. Oh, we, we, we pull out weeds and then suggest, you know, you, know, you might want to kale. kill this, your whole backyard yeah. if you don't get this Look, out. I, you need to, uh, you could plant oh, some kale Lord. here. It'd be wonderful. Um, <laughs> it'll take about 18 months. So good place to work. Check about out the tool. We, we care about what we do. Good. Um, the customers care too because they, they, they tell are, us. Oh boy, do they. <laughs> they care. No, but I mean, you know, Postlight loves loves itself some Clubhouse. Of course, you know what will happen is we'll go in Slack we'll be like, hey, we talked to the, we talked to one of the co-founders of Clubhouse. They'll be like, well, you know, We've I moved have moved on some to thought. Winky Doodle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely haven't moved on, but it, it, there will be sort of like, it's been interesting what they've been doing. With blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. That is okay, the voice. That's, that's not the voice either that. No, of it's, the it's, team at Postlight. They've been making together. some interesting decisions there at Clubhouse. That's what our engineers sound like on Slack. Thanks again, Andrew. This was great. Great conversation. Thank you for bringing donuts. Thank you for the donuts. Didn't bias us in any way. Not at all. All right. Peter Pan. Green Point. Peter Pan, Green Point. Green Point. For people who aren't from New York City, it's a very specific neighborhood. Yes. It's not Williamsburg. It's Greenpoint. Reach out. Hello at postlight.com. That's if, all you got to uh, do. And check us out at postlight.com. A lot of good case studies. Big post, big uh, clubhouse users. Big clubhouse users. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Thanks again, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.